Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It was not 100% Mitch's fault. He just did not get the support that manner. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello once again to all in Steeler Nation. This is Stan Saverin. Thanks for joining me on the Saverin on Steelers podcast. Twice weekly, we give you updated content on the fortunes of the Pittsburgh Steelers and available to you all on the podcast. You just have to go to Steelers.com. If you enjoy what we're doing, by all means, please let your friends know so they can get in on the fun and the action as well. The Steelers coming off a disappointing loss to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, in it for a half. They led at the half, and then things changed around drastically. Uh, one of the things that has been an Achilles heel for the Steelers for quite some time now, and it continues, is their run defense. We all know it was an issue last year. It certainly was uh, in the New England game, and it definitely was against the Browns last Thursday night. They really had the game taken away from them at a time when they had the opportunity to build on a halftime lead. Didn't happen. There are a lot of reasons for it. The offense gets some of the blame. The offense obviously has not been productive enough. They leave the defense on the field too often. The Steeler offense possessed the ball only 13 minutes Thursday night. And the remaining time all belonged to the Browns. And that was a pattern we saw in the New England game where the Patriots ran the last six and a half minutes off the clock. The Steelers never got off the field. Now, again, fatigue is an issue, unquestionably. And it's also reasonable, and not an excuse, but a reason, the Steelers' offense is not doing enough to maintain possessions to keep the defense rested and on the sideline. You can't keep throwing them out there, down after down, series after series, and not expect a drop-off. Fatigue comes into play. So let's let's get that out there. I think it's a factor to be considered. However, it's not the only factor. And the reason I say that, that in the past, the Steelers had done a pretty good job against Nick Chubb. Now, another factor to be considered, the Browns have the best running game in the league. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. I think they have the best running back in the league in Nick Chubb. And I think that the tandem of Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think clearly is the best one-two punch in the running game in the entire league. So judging the Steelers' defensive performance against the Browns is a very high bar to consider. So we'll give them that. But still, we go back to last year, 
and some of the same factors were involved, no, not very good offense. But they were last in the league. And there was reason to believe that this year might be somewhat better. Last year, they went without Tyson Lualu, in effect, for the entire year. They did go the entire year without starting defensive end, Stefan Tuitt. They were reduced, really, to one Pro Bowl-caliber defensive lineman in Cam Hayward, who played brilliantly. This year was expected to be better. Not only was Hayward back, but so was Alou I think Larry Ogunjobi is a big upgrade over Chris Wormley, and Wormley becomes better because he doesn't have to play as many snaps. In addition to that, Miles Jack, he's a clear upgrade over anybody else they had in the middle last year, and he's played very well. Devin Bush actually looks somewhat better than he did last year, although that's not saying a great deal. And so there was reason to think that this run defense would be better because of the starters and also because they had developed a rotation on the defensive line. Now, another caveat to answer is that they don't have T.J. Watt, or they haven't had. Hopefully he comes back as soon as he can. I think oftentimes we look at T.J. and think of him primarily as a pass rusher, and maybe that's the accurate way to look at him, but he also does a good job setting the edge against the run. So you can't discount his lack of presence as well. Still in all, they're getting beat at the line of scrimmage. When we factor in everything else, they're getting beat man-on-man. And I point to the New England game, primarily. That's not a great running team. They're not like the Browns, and yet they dominated, at least in the fourth quarter, when it mattered most. And what leads me to that conclusion, and I asked Mike Tomlin about this and really didn't get an answer, During that Patriot game, outside of the kneel downs at the end of the game when it didn't matter anymore, the Steeler defense recorded a grand total of one negative play. No sacks, but even in the running game, they recorded one negative play. That was a two-yard loss during that six-and-a-half-minute drive that I've referenced earlier. And that tells me that they're losing battles at the line of scrimmage, one-on-one. When a defensive end goes against a tackler or guard, the nose tackle goes against a center guard and on down the line. Football can be a rather complicated game. It can be rather intricate. But at its core, at its heart, At the basic common denominator, it's a physical game. And as Chuck Noll used to say, you've got to impose your will on the opposition. And even further, he would say, and I quote him, 
I've got to knock you on your behind before you knock me on mine. And that is not happening here. As a defensive lineman, you've got to defeat the block in front of you. At the very least, you need to create a stalemate. If you create a stalemate, you're clogging up the running lanes and you're allowing your linebackers to come in and fill the gaps. That's the way the defense is designed. The defensive lineman doesn't necessarily have to make the tackle, but he can facilitate someone else making the tackle. Now, something else can be brought up here, too. In the Cleveland game Thursday night, the defensive secondary personnel was terrible at tackling. Akello Witherspoon, in particular, he missed a tackle in the hole at the line of scrimmage, and Nick Chubb picked up 36 yards on that carry because Akello Witherspoon missed a tackle. So that's on him. But by and large, the defensive line is getting shoved around. And that's something that no defensive line can do, and certainly no Steelers defensive line can do. Again, we go back to the offense not contributing. That's a factor. I wish I had an answer as to what happened from the first half to the second half. The Steelers look like they finally found their offense. Two really nice drives to give them a 14-13 lead. A chance of kicking a field goal at the end of the half, which didn't work out. There were throws downfield. There were some running lanes. And then, like a giant spigot in the sky, it all got turned off. Why? I can't tell you. I wish I could. It looked like the Matt Canada offense was finally functioning. And then in the second half, we witnessed what we had seen the first two games and all last year, frankly. Is it the Mac Canada offense? Or is it Mitch Trubisky playing not to lose his job? Are they coaching him and saying, we want safe throws, do not put the ball at risk? 31 attempts in the game, only four passes attempted in between the hash marks. All the others from the hash mark to the sideline. More of what we've seen. Even on the great catch by George Pickens, tape showed that Chase Claypool was wide open underneath, in the middle. Why not him? So is it Matt Canada? Or is it Mitch Trubisky coaching Matt Canada to play that way? Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs, 
Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. <laughs> hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. No one knows better about quarterback play than former Steeler quarterback Charlie Batch. He played the position for a decade and a half. My co-host on the Steelers Radio Network postgame show will be joined uh, joining you again fr- uh, Sunday after the game against the Jets on Sunday. Charlie is our guest. And Charlie, does it appear to you that Mitch Trubisky is playing more to save his job than he is to winning a football game? Yeah, no, this is the Matt Canada offense. And, you know, it, you know, when you get back and you do shifts and motions and, you know, you can pretty much have to try to dictate, you know, what coverage that you may anticipate. But when those things don't work, then you have these other issues that are potentially happening. So I think, you know, when you look at this, you know, when I watch Mitch, you know, he's going through and this is the first time that I've uh, laid eyes on. So I don't know kind of what his career entailed up until this point. It just seems like he's trying, you know, not to lose the game and not to make the mistake in that manner. But unfortunately, sometimes you have to be aggressive down the field to try to flip the field. And those particular things aren't happening up to this point. So I can see why people are kind of jumping on the bandwagon, you know, or jumping off, essentially. But when I look at that film from last week, Stan, it was not Mitch's – it was not 100% Mitch's fault. He just did not get to support that manner. And, you know, that – you know, when I, I came out feeling a little bit better about his play after reviewing the film. Oh, it's good to know. What about his play um, was encouraging to you? Well, I think he was he was standing in there trying to, you know, push the football down the field. There were times that he actually had time, but his protection broke down. Or if he did make a play, receivers didn't help him. So it was a combination of a couple different things. But when you add that on the fact that the running game is not being as consistent as what it needs, be, needs to be, it takes away – a major element of this offense, and that is the play-action game. And that's something that has to be, get better in order to get this offense to going to be where we expect it to be at this time of year. Do you get the sense that the offensive line, I mean, it's incrementally very slow. Um, it's like watching, you know, a turtle progress. But are you get the sense that it is becoming better from game one through game three? Yeah, I think so, and that's because all five of those guys are practicing together, they're playing together, and that wasn't something that was happening in training camp only because you had position battles that were going on, mainly that left bar position between Kendra Green and Kevin Dotson. But now that you have all five of these guys over the last three weeks communicating and playing together, they're starting to get better. Unfortunately, they're not playing together on all 100% of the snaps. That may never happen, but at least you're seeing the progress that way. And if you do, at least from a protection standpoint, you're hoping that it can get better only because two of those three games were played on the road. It is very difficult to play because there's always, the offensive line is always a split second slower by getting off the line of scrimmage. Hopefully this changes. With all that being said, Stan, they better get better, and we better see the results against the Jets on October 2nd. Yeah, undoubtedly. By the way, Max Starks will be my guest tomorrow. We'll get his thoughts on the offensive line. 
from a quarterback's perspective, Charlie, I suppose that, you know, unless you're a Tom Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger, you never had to really worry about this. But you're a human being. And if there's a backup quarterback, people are clamoring for him. And, and you know, you understand the circumstance because Mitch Trubisky was in that opposite. He, he's where Kenny Pickett was once upon a time. Can that enter your mind where you're, you know, in, in the heat of the battle, saying, well, I better not try this because if I throw a pick, um, I might get yanked? Yeah, I mean, that, that, again, you're, you know, you hope that it doesn't get to that point because as a starting quarterback, you never want to play to not make a mistake or look over your shoulder. But in this particular case, yeah, the noise is becoming louder and louder only because everybody wants to, you know, Kenny to play. And that's the beauty of the backup position. And sometimes it's a backup, you know, they always say, you know, he's the pop- most popular guy, but that's up until the point that he has to play. Yeah. And then you get exposed. <laughs> either the guy has to, either he can play or he can't play. There's no in-between. But right now the expectations are so high because you have a first-rounder that's sitting behind the scenes waiting and everybody clamoring for that. I just caution everybody at this point to say, hey, let's not, you know, if you're one of those guys, don't make a knee-jerk reaction only because if you if Kenny Pickett is inserted in the offense and you expect to see glaring changes, that's not going to happen. You're going to see the same offense, just a different person running it. So it's just something that, you know, they have to get better at from that particular perspective. But for me, as a young guy, I played the, really my third game. I started my rookie year, and I would I love to be thrown in the fire. I'm sure Kenny Pickett wants to be thrown into the fire so he can expedite and start his career. But those are things that obviously I don't want to see now, but I'm sure he he wants to play as well. Uh, yeah, undoubtedly. Um, you bring up a great point. Uh, everybody around here loved Cliff Stout uh, until he had to go in and play when Bradshaw uh, eventually you know had to retire because of the elbow. And uh, then he became one of the villains, uh, which was unfair, but um, that that always seems to be the case. Um, How and where can the Matt Cannon offense be better? I mean, the offense is installed now. Is it a matter of play calling? Is it a matter of introducing new elements to the offense? You know, that should be something. They've had a little extra time. You know, they're back at work today. But, I mean, is that something where we can see improvement in the offense as well as then the players? Yeah, I mean, you you, you always want to stretch the field offensively, you know, when you're playing. But, you know, those 50-50 balls, they're playing in the defensive hand at that point. You know, and I've been around coordinators who, quite frankly, didn't like that particular ball. But that's a part of Matt Canada's offense. But the second piece that he needs to get better at because right now over the course of what you what he did last year and now the three games that he has this year – He's not using the middle of the field. And right now, when you see all of these next-gen stats that are all coming out and the passing charts are there, we all notice, okay, middle of the field, there's not a lot of attempts. So if we're recognizing that as armchair quarterback, you better believe defensive coordinators who are getting paid a bunch of money to stop the opposing offense, they're looking at those charts as well. So you have to use the middle of the field. If not, you continue to use everything outside the numbers. You have a 12th and a 13th defender which is called the sidelines that are to the defense's advantage. So they have to now attempt to throw the ball in the middle field, not wait till the end. Because Firemuth did have those two catches. Chase Claypool had a catch, you know, attempts in that fourth quarter as well. But you have to do it early to show the to tell the defense we're looking to work the middle of the field today. Well, that chart that was circulating around uh, only four attempts out of 31 in the middle of the field. And as you point out, three of them came in the last drive. 
Absolutely, and that's something that you know I was you know last year it was attempting to throw, and everybody kept saying, "Well, Ben's not using the middle of the field." No, you have a new quarterback now, so that lets you know his play calling in this manner. And trust me, you don't throw for sixty thousand yards and not throw over the middle. So it wasn't Ben Roethlisberger last year. So these are things that have to change, and if they don't change, we're going to see the same results. Just thinking about all the you know different offenses that you ran, the offensive coordinators you worked under, uh, what? What would be the possible rationale for only using um, hash mark to sideline? It, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. I think for me it's a matter of whenever you're a coordinator, you're trying to anticipate what the defense is going to do. So when you shift and you motion, you're anticipating what they're going to do based off the film study that you had. And then ultimately that if you're able to do that, you go to your number one read. So you never really never have to go through two, three, and work through your progression. That's the Matt Canada offense, and it works up until a certain point when you get to the middle of the game and those defenses at halftime adjustments are happening and are taking away that number one read, and it forces everything else to happen. The problem is you're not practicing in that, that because when you're running the scout team defense, it's about you're trying to have as much success on the offensive side of the ball. So maybe on in practice, maybe they use to take that first team for first read away to force the quarterback to go through his reads throughout the course of practice. Wouldn't it make sense, and of course not much makes sense, uh, at least on this show anyway, but um, wouldn't it make sense that, like you said, uh, the Jets defensive coordinator are seeing the same things that you and I are seeing, uh, perhaps at a more expert level, and that they're going to come into that game and, you know, not worrying about the middle and trying to take away from hash to the sideline. I mean, wouldn't the, the, the smart move to say, look, they're going to be expecting us to do what we've been doing. We're going to change that up. They have to, and that's why you get to the certain point of the season right now where the four-game breakdown is important because those are when tendencies start to show up. So right now, that hopefully the Steelers use this quick this break over the weekend as a mini-buy to self-evaluate to say, okay, are we starting to get into these tendencies? And if they are and they're showing up, the defensive coordinator are going to play to those tendencies. So now as an offense, you break those tendencies. So this is a critical week. So we're going to see how much those coaches actually worked over the weekend or did they take the weekend off? We don't know. But if the, So if we see something different in the Jets, that lets me know that they actually self-evaluated over the weekend. I also want to ask you about the running game. Um, you know, showed some flashes, certainly better, but better is a relative term uh, to what it had been. Um, you know, we talk about the offensive line, but it's a collaborative effort, tight ends certainly. Um do you sense that Najee um, has missed some holes? I know we talked about that briefly, um, that, that maybe in, in his, his rookie year, he was so accustomed to be uh, confronted in the backfield with defenses getting penetration, um, and that's you know a death knell for a running play, that maybe he is not being patient enough that when there are holes there, he's not hitting them and trying to bounce it out too early? Yeah, I think that that's that's starting to show up. And of course, when you're watching it live, those intricate details that you know are not showing up. But when you have people who are breaking down the film and they're showing you the next day on Twitter, you're like, oh wow, you missed the missed the hole. And I love watching it from an offensive line's perspective because they have the insight more than I do. So I think these things are happening to me when I watch Najee. I just don't think he's 100% at this particular point. I still think that foot is bothering him. He missed a bunch of time during training camp, and here it is now lingering into the season. And the way that this season is going, that is something he's going to have to manage moving forward. So I, hopefully he gets time to rest it here, and then, of course, when he gets to the bye week. But is, if he's not healthy enough, 
yeah, maybe we now put Jalen Warren in there to now spill him to give him some of the, you know, give him a rest that's needed so he can now be at his best in the fourth quarter. Now, maybe this is a reach, and I thought about this also. Uh, Najee put on about seven, eight pounds in the offseason. Uh, it's all muscle, but I mean, it, maybe it's the foot. I mean, that would answer all the questions, but the added extra weight, did it sap some of his quickness? Yeah, I don't think that that happened. I mean, I, it's a very fair assessment for sure. But being there at that practice and the way that his, his foot got rolled up on, that didn't have anything to do with weight. It was just it was at a bad spot and actually got rolled up on. So that was something there um, that I took away from that because I was there that practice when it happened. So it's just something that, he, of course, now that he's not able to condition in the manner, now he's going to take, have to take it upon himself to now ride the bike a little bit more, maybe pay more attention to his nutrition to make sure that five or six pounds that he added on the, in the off season now doesn't necessarily become eight to 10 because he's putting on weight because he can't move. So he's going to have to manage that. And hopefully he should, he's a professional athlete. Well, I know you hope this happens, but you know, with this introspection, we'll assume that's exactly what the Steelers were doing. Um, uh, spending extra time on the jets. I don't know if that's necessary, but uh, you know, fixing their own house is in order are you expecting a breakout, or is this whatever positive uh, improvement we see in the Steelers going to be incremental, or do you think that they're due for a breakout if they change their strategy? No, yeah, if they change their strategy, yeah, for sure we should be you know, in for a breakout. But unfortunately, based off where this offense has been, I now am not just looking at it from a three-game breakdown. I'm looking at it from the 17 they played last year, and then you're talking about you know, really 18 if you include the playoffs. And this this year, so I'm looking at 21 games. They've averaged about 16 points. So I'm not expecting anything more than 16 points on the offensive average. So until they change that, then you're going to have to convince me otherwise. But until then, I'm looking right around games that they're going to offensively, they're going to put 16 on the board. Our thanks to Charlie Batch for joining us on the Savernon Steelers podcast. Again, Charlie and I team up to bring you the postgame show on the Steelers radio network. Hope you'll be joining us this Sunday after the Jets game and after every Steelers game, no matter what day or what time of day that game occurs. Savernon Sports, um, each weekday afternoon, Monday through Friday on ESPN Radio in Pittsburgh, 970 a.m. And, of course, you can get it on the iHeartMedia app. And the Savernon Steelers podcast, we're here for you twice a week. Tell your friends, please, if you will. Get it here on the Steelers.com website. That's it for this edition. Thanks to all in Steeler Nation. I'm Stan Saverin. Thanks for uh, being here, and so long, everybody. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.